Hey, good morning. You guys can be seated. I want to welcome those of you who are joining with us online as well. So good to be with you in your home, in your car, wherever you are worshiping the Lord with us from today. Hey, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you turn to Acts chapter 2? And be patient. We'll get there here in a moment. A lot of God's Word this morning. We want to continue in our little mini Christmas series that we're calling The Perfect Gift. And you know, it's a season of giving, giving thanks and giving gifts, and rightfully so. And you'll see a lot of things out there that are saying this, this item, this object, our product makes the perfect gift. And I did a little bit of research and I found that there actually have been some studies that have been conducted that help to describe what the perfect gift is. One, they discovered that the perfect gift is often something that creates enthusiasm in the giver, an excitement to give it, an anticipation of what it's going to accomplish in the life of the recipient. And two, they discovered that the perfect gift is oftentimes something that the recipient is either unwilling or unable to acquire for themselves. And when you think about it, that really is a picture of salvation. We were unable, we couldn't pay the price. We couldn't make ourselves right with God. And so Jesus came and did what we could not do. He's the perfect gift. And the enemy operates a lot of times in shame that we feel unworthy to receive. Like maybe someone else could receive, but because of where I've been and what I've done, I could never be a recipient of this gift. And I'm telling you, that's a lie. The gift of Jesus was for you. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas, amen? God is the greatest giver of all time. James 1:17. every good and perfect gift comes from where? From above. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And today I wanna to talk to you about the gift of the Holy Spirit. To so continue to talk to you about the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I love to preach about the Holy Spirit to help more believers have faith to access and walk in a personal, intimate relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I tell you guys this often that anywhere where there is power, promise, or potential in God's kingdom, you better expect that the enemy is gonna come and try to oppose. Listen, it's why there's an opposition in relationships. It's why there's opposition in marriage and in family. It's why there's an opposition to tithing and giving. It's why there's an opposition to church relationships because the enemy recognizes that in those places there's power, potential, and promise that's stored up in the heart of God for those who will believe and apprehend and walk out those things. Listen, perhaps more than any of those other things that I just mentioned, there's power, potential, and promise in a personal, intimate relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. And that's why... If the enemy can't oppose it, he'll bring controversy and confusion. For many churches and many believers, that's exactly what exists over the person of the Holy Spirit. Controversy and confusion. And so let's dig in in this series to what God's word has to say. And allow that to begin to resonate louder than maybe what we've been taught or our personal experiences, opinions, or preferences. And, and just watch what God has to say, just how much power, potential, and promise is wrapped up in the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 and Luke 24, Jesus himself told his disciples who he had given the great commission 
to not even go and start their ministry until they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's how important it is to us as believers and disciple, disciples, Christ followers. The enemies opposed it with controversy and confusion. But the word of God is clear that he is a gift, the Holy Spirit is a gift, and the gift is for you. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, he is for you. This gift is for you. You need to hear that this morning. This gift is for you. Acts chapter two, and allow me to just recap briefly before we dig into something fresh that I wanna share with you this morning that I really believe if you'll receive it beyond head knowledge, but really receive it in your heart today, it will radically transform your life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. He's a gift, the Holy Spirit is a gift, and he's for you. Peter has preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. People have been cut to the heart, and they're asking, what must we do to be saved? And in verse 38, Peter replies to that question, and he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And watch what he says in verse 39. The promise, the Holy Spirit, is for you. And for your children, and catch this because this is talking literally, quite literally about you and, and me. And for all who are far off, all whom the Lord God will call to himself, everyone who in the future would put their faith in Jesus Christ. He says the Holy Spirit is for you, for your children, and everyone who will come to the faith in Jesus Christ. He's a gift and he's for you. Acts 10, verse 45, the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. John 14, verse 15 through 17, Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. I will ask of the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and does not recognize him, but you will know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Luke 11, verse 13, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children at Christmas, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Give, he's a gift. He's a gift, and he's for you. He's for you. Real quick, just recap a couple of the most powerful points from last week's message to catch everyone up to speed. Number one last week was that he's a person. He's a person, and much of the church sees him as a force or a power or a being, and Jesus said, I will send him to you. When he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He's a person. This is important. He's not a force. He's not a power, some mystical power, some mystical being. He's a person. He's, he's fully God. He's a person, and he's for you. It's important because of relationship. If we see the Holy Spirit as a force, a power, an object, a being, we'll never pursue and develop an intimate friendship or relationship. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants with you a relationship. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, we read it last week, let's read it again. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the love of the Father, catch these three things that God wants for you to experience as a believer. The grace of the cross, the grace of Jesus, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. He says, may, it, may those three things be with you all, every one of you. 
not just a few, not just a select few, not just leaders, pastors, elders, deacons, everyone who would believe. It's for you, it's for your children, and it's for everyone who is far off down the line who will one day hear the gospel and respond in faith and put their faith in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is a gift. He's a person. He's for you. He desires a relationship with you. That Greek word fellowship was the Greek word koinonia, and it's more than casual acquaintance or casual friendship. It means intimate friendship. It all means oneship. It, it's, that, it's a close, intimate friendship, and that's the type of relationship that the Holy, Holy Spirit desires to have with you. I said this last week. It bears repeating. The Holy Spirit, church, hear me. We tend to think about the Holy Spirit just showing up when we need him, showing up when we need a miracle, and he does those things, but he's more than a means to an end. He's an intimate friend. Catch that. He's more than a means to an end. He's an intimate friend. And when you get the friendship, when you get the partnership, when you get the fellowship, you get the power, you get the miracles, you get the gifts. But maybe before we worry about the gifts and the power, we should just receive the giver of the gifts. The Holy Spirit, he's a gift. He's not just any friend. He's not just any friend. Jesus said it this way. He said, it is to your advantage. This is an amazing, powerful statement regarding the Holy Spirit coming from Jesus himself. It's to your advantage that I go away, Jesus said. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And that Greek word translated in, in that translation, the New American Standard, is the Greek word parakletos. And it's such a powerful word that English Bible translators have had a difficult time determining which English word best conveys the heart and the spirit behind this word, parakletos. One translation says helper. Another translation says comforter. Another translation says counselor. Another translation says advocate, even as in the legal sense, someone who comes alongside you, testifying and representing you, representing you in your, in your good times, your bad times, your difficult seasons. Come on, how many of you could use a helper, a comforter, an advocate, a counselor? How many of you could use someone like that? That's who the Holy Spirit is to you. We have to receive the gift. A gift has to be received. And I look around at many, much of the church, many people, and, and we are not receiving the fullness of what God desires for us, what God is expressing here through just a few of the scriptures we've read today, just a few of the scriptures that God, God's word has to say about the Holy Spirit and his powerful importance in our lives. We've got to receive, and I pray today that there would be faith stirred in our hearts, that we would be reminded of the importance of our relationship with the Holy Spirit and that for some of us today, there would be a new revelation and the faith to receive the gift, to open the gift, to put the gift to use in our life, to enjoy and experience the fullness of the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit. Can I pray over our time today? We'll get into today's message. Father, I thank you for the people of God for the church of God, I thank you for every man, woman, and young person who is in this room and gathered with us remotely. And I thank you, Lord, that everything we've prayed today, everything we've read today, God, it's your heart for them, not just the person to their left or their right, God. It's for them. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for them. The gift of the Holy Spirit is for them. And I pray, God, today that any of the lies of the enemy, any of the things that people have talked themselves out of, their ability to receive and enjoy and experience this precious, amazing power 
powerful gift that you desire to give to every believer. I pray today, Lord, that those lives would be overcome by the weight of your word, God, and that the space that is created as those lies are pressed down by the weight of your word would create the space in the hearts and the spirits of your people to receive the fullness of the gift of the Holy Spirit, who is a person, a helper, a counselor, an advocate, a friend. And we thank you for that today, God, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Two powerful truths today. Most times I try to squeeze four or five points into a message, but today there's only two, and it's because I wanted to recap, and it's also because these points are powerfully important. I didn't want to rush them, and especially the second one that we'll get to today. But number one is that the gift of the Holy Spirit is God's guarantee of the, of the eternity, the inheritance, the eternity that awaits every believer. He's the guarantee. Watch, look at what Ephesians 1 has to say about the Holy Spirit. In verse 14, the Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. Another translation, the NIV says the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Other words that are used in, 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 this, in translating this passage our deposit, down payment, another translation literally says the Holy Spirit is the down payment. And this is a time of year, I just read the other day an amazing story where someone had gone in to a Walmart and paid off the entire layaway fund that they had there, $65,000 in Christmas gifts that were on layaway. So this is a time of the year where people are going and making a deposit on something that they'll come back to to fulfill. This is a season where people are putting gifts on layaway and what the scripture is saying is that, is that the gift of God has put you on layaway. He's purchased you, he's deposited something, he's put a down payment on an eternal guarantee. What you're experiencing now is just this much of what God has in his heart for you to experience because of salvation in Jesus and a relationship with the good father empowered by the Holy Spirit. Another translation says pledge. Another translation says foretaste, just the beginning, just a sliver of what you're going to get to experience. And one of the other translations says earnest. It's God's earnest. And I began to look into this, and the, the way it was translated is the same way that we think about earnest money. Who's ever put earnest money down on a home or a contract? Earnest money is an amount of money that we put down on a contract that says we might be going away and doing some other things. You might not see us for a few weeks as we do some things, inspections and, and other things and sell our other home or whatever it is, but we're putting earnest money down on this contract to show that we mean business, to show that we'll be back to close the deal, to seal the deal, that this is not something that we're just casually interested in. That's what it's saying right there. The father was so consumed with relationship with you for eternity, that in this sense, he sent the Holy Spirit as the earnest money on that relationship. He said, you've got my spirit living in you, and it's a guarantee, a pledge, a sign, a foretaste. It's the earnest money of this contract that says, I'll come back and I will fulfill what I've said I'll do in your life, and it will last for all eternity. And where I'm taking you, there'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, just eternal joy in the presence of God with the family of God reunited with all those who have gone before you. Come on, that's good news. Somebody ought to say amen. It's the earnest money. That's what the Holy Spirit of God is. That's, that's what he's saying about the Father. There's a day coming where I'm coming back to, to seal the deal, to bring you to eternity, unending, broken, unbroken place of eternal relationship and fellowship. 
He's the guarantee of what's yet to come. Number two is the Holy Spirit. The passion of the Holy Spirit right from the start, and it remains today, is to reveal and remind you that you are a child of God. That you are a child of God. Right from the start, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would descend, but in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit descends and remains. And right from the start, check it out in, in, in Matthew chapter 3. It says, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. Behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, descending like a dove and coming to rest upon him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Right from the start, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was associated with affirming a relationship that is family, fathers and sons, fathers and daughters. This is my beloved son. There's a lot of things that the Lord could have said from heaven over Jesus in that moment. But in the moment that the Holy Spirit descended and rested upon Jesus, the heart of the Father was to release this over him. This is my son, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. I say, well, Pastor T, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. And you're right, but look what Romans 8 says about us. It says, you did not receive the spirit, small s, lowercase s, of bondage, again, to, to fear. You received the spirit, uppercase s, the Holy Spirit, of adoption. The spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, by the spirit of God, we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. And it says, the spirit himself, reading on Romans 8, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Right from the start, the Holy Spirit was on a mission to reveal and to remind that we're children of God. Much of the brokenness that we see in the world today, I really believe it, I really believe it. In the church and in our community, much of the brokenness that we see and experience and that we see others struggling with is rooted in a father wound or a father issue. The absence of a good father in the natural sense and the, and the poverty of knowing in spite of what your earthly father situation was like, the poverty of really knowing that in spite of what it might have looked like here on earth, some of you had good fathers, some of you had terrible fathers, abusive fathers, and some of you had indifferent fathers. But in spite of where you fall on that spectrum, there's a good heavenly father. And, and much of what we see in the world, the, the, the struggles and the challenges and the anger and the bitterness and the frustration and the disappointments are somehow, some way tied back to a father wound or a father issue. The Holy Spirit right there is saying, he bears witness with my spirit. That regardless of what it looked like on this side of eternity, I have a good heavenly father who sent my big spiritual brother Jesus to come and fight the fight of salvation and win it in a way I could never win it for myself. Seal me with the promise, the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I wonder... Who in this room are hearing us 
online today would not even be able to really believe or receive that statement if the Lord spoke that statement over you today. And I'm telling you prophetically by the Spirit of God and the Word of God, it's what he's speaking over you today. This is my beloved. This is my beloved. This is my beloved. I love you so much. I'm sending my son. If you believe in him, you will not perish. You'll have everlasting life. And I'm sealing you with the, my spirit as a down payment, an assurance, a guarantee that I'm going to do what I said I'll do. One day you'll be with me forevermore. Can you receive it today? Can you receive the gift? He's reminding you. He's revealing to you today. The brokenness in our world associated with this very issue. I mean, really, I believe it. There's some other things that you could attribute it to, but look what Romans 8 continues to say. It says, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Come on, that's good news for 2020, amen? <laughs> for all creation is waiting eagerly. Watch, watch what all creation is waiting for. What are they waiting for? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> For the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope, the creation now looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. The whole creation is groaning and waiting eagerly, God's word says, for what? For the people of God to really be reminded and to step into our true identity in Christ, children of God. And until we begin to get that right, until we receive that for ourselves, we won't be able to impact the world because they're looking for something that's not religion. They're looking for a relationship. We can't lead them to this place of sonship and, and, and son, spiritual sons and fathers if we don't get this for ourselves. And much of the church has strived to make themselves right with God and strive to get people to come to church and Maybe what needs to happen is we need to fully receive and embrace and understand and see the ministry of the Holy Spirit come and deal with some of the hurts and the pains and the wounds that prevent us or hinder us from really seeing God who he really is. He's a good father. He's a good father. He came to establish relationship, not religion. Heart of God was never to establish religion but to restore relationship. This creation is not groaning for an improved version of religion. It's groaning for sons and daughters, for the heart of a father. Religion is man's forever unsuccessful attempt to make ourselves right with God. The cross of Jesus Christ was God's successful attempt to make things right and bring us back, what, to a relationship with the heavenly father. He's about relationship over religion. He's about relationship over rules and regulations. Contrary to popular religious belief, Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make broken people whole. Amen. He came to make lost people found. He came to make lonely people connected to a family. But we get caught up in trying to make bad people good. And maybe we would experience better results if we would just focus on the heart of God to just introduce them to their identity in Christ as a son or a daughter of the Most High God. From that place, listen, do we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Do we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? Yes, 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 yes. We need to be a prophetic people. We need to be walking in signs and wonders. We need all those things. But perhaps if we would get a relationship with the giver of the gifts, we would begin to more easily operate in the gifts that he gives. Yeah. 
The power comes from knowing the true person. Many of us struggle in our faith from not knowing God for who he really is. The struggle is real because of earthly experiences with imperfect fathers. And listen, if you, if you did have an abusive or neglect, neglective or indifferent father, you need to understand something today that none of us had perfect earthly fathers. Some of us were blessed to have God-fearing, Christ-serving fathers, while others of us, again, I mean, I know in the room this size with people joining us all over the world, I know that this message is landing in the hearts of some people who had very challenging, difficult experiences with their earthly fathers. Due to earthly experiences, due to bad religious teaching, there can be a lens that begins to rest upon the way we see God through our perspectives, through our experiences. What we need more than ever is to be able to recognize that we live in a fallen world and that those things are not indicative of who our Heavenly Father really is. And the way that you get to know someone is by spending time with them. You know, my wife, back in Abilene, Texas, West Central Texas, back when we were newlyweds, 2005, 2006, she was a bank teller at American State Bank in Abilene, Texas. Can you hear, when I just start talking about Texas, I start to talk a little bit different. Can you, did you guys catch that? <laughs> she was a bank teller in Abilene, Texas, West Texas. Come on, some good old folks down there. Good. <laughs> Ray, that's why we moved here, buddy. We used to live there. We chose to live here. <laughs> she was a bank teller at American State Bank, and I remember her telling me that they would do training on how to help the tellers recognize counterfeit money, and the number one way that they would say that you'll, you'll recognize counterfeit money is because you will have spent time with real money. You will have spent enough time with the real thing that when something presents itself that is counterfeit, you'll recognize this doesn't feel right. And you gotta start spending time with the real father so that when something else comes masked in religion or performance, presents itself to you, you'll be able to recognize this does not look like, feel, feel like, smell like my heavenly father. I've spent time with him. Did I just say smell like? I did, didn't I? Well, come on, wasn't it Buddy the Elf? He spent time with the real Santa Claus, and so he recognized the fake ones, right? The counterfeit Santas. What did he say? You smell like beef and cheese. <laughs> You're not the real Santa. Spend time with the real, and you begin to recognize the counterfeit. Recently, 2020, we became licensed to be foster parents. Forgive me if I've told this story before. I don't think I have from the pulpit, we became licensed to be foster parents, and it's been amazing at how few placements we've had come our way in 2020. So much so that we've even called the office and said, hey, just wanna make sure that we haven't fallen through the cracks because we're eager to serve. And they said, no, Mr. and Mrs. Humphreys, that's not the case at all. Because of the pandemic and the shutdowns and the schools and the churches and things being closed, the reporting is way down, and it grieved my heart because what I realized is that because of the stress of 2020, the abuse and the, and, the, and the neglect has not decreased. Just our ability to become aware of some of those situations has been hindered. So pray for those kids that are in those situations. 
But early in 2020, we did, we, we had a placement, they called us and they said there are three girls and it's a temporary placement. If it was a long-term placement, I don't know that we would have been able or willing or wise to accept a, three additional children over our four natural biological children for an extended time. But because it was a short-term assignment due to a sexual abuse allegation and investigation that was taking place, we said yes. And I, you know, it was our first placement. Amity was texting and calling me saying, I'm headed back from the office. I've got the girls. And I'm saying, how are they? How are they doing? And anything I can do, do I need to stop at Walmart, pick up anything, pull-ups or diapers or anything. And she said, no, I've got what we need for now. Just come home and meet them. And I drove home from the church and it just happened to be that we turned onto our block at the same time, pulled up into our driveway. And I couldn't help but wonder, what is this encounter gonna be like? Are they gonna be standoffish towards me? What are they going to call me? And what's right to have them call me? And I'll never forget, I mean, I'll never forget it's imprinted on my spirit forever. Amity pulled up in her minivan, I pulled up in my pickup truck. The doors of the minivan began to slide open and I saw two little girls. One was, was still strapped in her seat. Two little girls, as I walked around the front of my pickup truck, came running around the front of my wife's white minivan, and they ran, and they ran, and they ran towards me as fast as they could, and both of them simultaneously, one jumped into my arms, one wrapped her arms around my leg, and they both began to exclaim, Daddy, 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 Daddy. And it, I thought, well, that's what they'll call me. But then my heart just grieved because I thought they don't even know me. God has put it in the heart of every person so deeply and so strongly to know a daddy, an Abba. They don't even know me. I'm just, I'm just the next man that's in their life. But there's something so strong. There's a heart's desire that's so strongly embedded into who these little girls were and are. They jumped into my arms, daddy, daddy. And the way it grieved my heart was, it was underlined all the more just a few days later when my wife took the two older girls to the police station for them to conduct the sexual abuse questioning of the little girls. And she called me, my wife called me, and I said, how'd it go? She said, it went good, but she said, you wouldn't believe what happened. She said, when they walked in, there was a... That we walked, made our way back to the room where they were going to question the girls and there was a kind police officer standing in the back corner of the room and they bolted into the room and ran and jumped into his arms and grabbed around his legs and said, Daddy, 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 Daddy. So strong in their hearts. They just wanted a daddy. The perfect gift is at the intersection of what you want and you need. And I'm telling you today, whether you know it or not, you want and you need a daddy. And the Holy Spirit testifies, testifies with my spirit that I'm a child of God. He's my Abba, Father. Just stand to your feet this morning and I wanna give us an opportunity to receive fresh and new the Holy Spirit of God the gift of the Holy Spirit, the paracletos, the advocate, the counselor, the comforter, the friend. But before we do, 
Jesus said, I'm the door. He's the door to receiving the Holy Spirit. If this morning you're here in this room or you're joining us remotely and you realize today that you're separated from your Heavenly Father because of your sin, your guilt, your shame, your past, or maybe some things you're tangled up in today, I'm telling you today that Jesus came to make a way, not to connect you to religion, not to try to start to get your life. You don't try to have to come and get your life right before you can receive what we're inviting you to receive today. It's the gift of salvation. We can't earn it, we can never deserve it. That's the gift, something that we would be unable to acquire for ourselves or unwilling to do for ourselves. It's who Jesus is. It's who Jesus is. If that's you today, maybe you're a prodigal son or daughter, you once served God, knew God, you've drifted, you've fallen away, you've strayed in your faith, or maybe you've never experienced what it feels like to have that sin removed off your shoulders cleansed from your spirit in the way that we've all experienced, those of us who are believers in Jesus. If that's you, right now, don't delay. Just lift your hand high towards heaven. Just say, that's me. I need a savior. And I need a restoration to a heavenly father. I need my sin and my past washed away. That's what the Bible says that Jesus came to do. To make you so new that the Bible had to use the language born again. That today, inside of what you've experienced on this side of eternity as it regards your earthly family, today there's an opportunity to join a heavenly family. Thank you, Lord, for these hands that are raised. Thank you, Lord, I see you. Thank you, Lord, for these people responding. Thank you, Lord, for the people that are responding online in homes and cars and offices, going about their week, maybe listening to this on Tuesday or Thursday this week. Thank you, Lord, for those people who right now, listen, if that's you, even if you're all by yourself, I want to encourage you to stand to your feet and lift your hand towards your Heavenly Father. You're not responding to a preacher or a person. You're responding to a Savior. And listen, with everyone who raised their hands, come on, let's pray this prayer. Thank you, Lord, for these precious people. Thank you, Lord, for the future they have in you. Thank you, Lord, for your heavenly heart of a father for them, Lord. Let's pray this with them. Repeat after me. Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a Savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price I could never pay to make a way that I might have a fresh start and a new life. And I give you my life. I give you my life. And I give you my trust. And because of Jesus, because of the cross of Jesus, I will never be the same. Come on, give the Lord a clap of praise and give him thanks for the precious people who responded. We're so thankful for your lives. We're so thankful for the future that you have in Christ. And we want to come right alongside you and just encourage you in that fresh faith in Jesus, in Jesus. And listen, those of you who responded in this room, we have a Bible, much like the one I preach from right here, a Fresh Start Bible, some other resources. We would love to put those things in your hand. Just stop by the guest central right out there to your left as you exit and just let them know I rededicated my life to the Lord. They'll put those resources in your hands. Listen, if you're joining us remotely, if you're in the continental United States, we want to send that same Bible and those resources to you. Just text new life to the text code 30500. If you're joining us internationally, you have to email us newlife at revcity.com. And we'll get those things on their way to you. Come on, one more time. Can we give the Lord thanks for the people who responded to Jesus today? Responded to Jesus today. Okay, now I want us to shift, and as we close, as we worship, I want to give us some space. 
and some opportunity, some time as we worship in one more song to receive fresh or new the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe there was some maybe good and well-intentioned but kind of off-base religious teaching you've experienced that have caused you to have doubt, fear, or unbelief in your life. Maybe you've seen things kind of operated in weirdness or sensationalism and it's caused you to say, I'm not sure if I'm quite ready for that. I'm telling you today that the Holy Spirit is not weird or sensational. He might challenge you to live by bold faith in a way that you never had before, but he's not gonna come into your life and make you start doing crazy stuff that you don't wanna do. The Bible says that the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. You're not gonna lose control of your life or your faith. You're just gonna receive the parakletos of God the helper, the counselor, the advocate, the friend. Well, Pastor T, what's different about today? Listen, the, the, the book of Acts is clear about the significance of discipleship and instruction surrounding the Holy Spirit. There were believers in Jesus whom the apostles came to and they said, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, we have not even heard as to whether there's a Holy Spirit. And they taught them about the Holy Spirit, laid hands on them and they received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Listen, today, because of this, because of this time, we're taking to hear God's heart and what God's word has to say about the Holy Spirit. I believe today that there's fresh faith to receive. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Today, we've received instruction about the Holy Spirit, the person, the promise, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Today, faith has come by hearing the word of God to receive. And so for those reasons, not because we picked the right song or because we turned the lights down, for those reasons, I believe today, if you'll in faith receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, there's a fresh or a new baptism for you today. Both are important. For some of you, it may be the first time that you've opened your heart to receive. For others, maybe you've walked with the Holy Spirit for many years, maybe even decades, and today there's just a fresh, a new, a more. And so would you allow me to pray over that moment and then let's worship. And you can get in whatever posture you want to. This altar can be open right here, you know, I mean, just maybe maintain some distance or whatever, but if you feel compelled to come forward, you certainly can. You can kneel, you can bow, you can stand, you can lift your holy hands before God. It's a posture of surrender and receiving. But Lord, I thank you for your heart. Your word says, if we know how to give good gifts to our kids, how much more do you know how to give the gift of the Holy Spirit to your sons and your daughters? Thank you, Lord, that today you are reminding us that the Holy Spirit is a helper, counselor, advocate, and friend. You desire a relationship with us. Thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit comes to remind us, to reveal to us, to affirm to us, to confirm in us, Lord, that you are Abba Father to us and we are your children. And Lord, I thank you today for a fresh or new filling of the Holy Spirit for the people of God. In this room, joining us remotely, I thank you, Lord, touch them, God. Touch them, God. Breathe on them, Lord, this morning. Come on, worship team, let's begin to sing. Let's begin to sing.